0: Welcome to the Brain Gain Youngstown Leadership Series Podcast. Each week, we'll learn from leaders who are driving change and making an impact. Now, here's your host, the CEO of the Youngstown Publishing Company, Jeff Leo Herman.
1: Bad things happen. There's pain. There's misery. There's despair. But it's what you do to get it right that matters okay hey everyone welcome to the podcast that was my best jocko Willink impersonation if you don't know jocko just check him out on youtube you'll get the gist of uh his style and delivery right away but i'm thrilled to share our guest today is dan fernbeck from juggerbot 3d he is a co-founder of juggerbot 3d and we learn about his entrepreneurial journey and his burning desire to get into business. And all about additive manufacturing too and the big strides they're making. But we had a lot of fun with this conversation, got into Jocko, got into David Goggins, all the motivational uh, tools and techniques and tactics that entrepreneurs use to stay motivated. We hear about how he joined the company. Uh, Timing wasn't his choice, but it worked out, right? So it's a really good conversation. And I do thank you for joining us today. So please welcome Dan Fernbeck. So here we are with Dan Fernbeck, not Daniel Fernbeck, and not Danny Fernbeck. Well, Anyone who of Dan. those work. Yeah, Dan.
0: I've been called worse across the board. Do
1: we tell the story about your first job at uh, signing, your, signing up for your job application, what
0: name you used? Yeah, yeah. So I was told by a guy that has actually been a, a pretty good mentor for me to me. Um, I was an intern at Delphi Packard, which is now active, and it was my s- junior year of college. And so they had a couple job openings that would have been around the same time that I would have been graduating from college. And so we're filling out job applications, we're figuring out what jobs would be good fit for us. I was talking to this one guy, his name's Ray Blasco, and uh, he's a he's a Youngstown native. And uh, he was going through the resumes, and, and for mine particularly, I was pretty happy because everything on there he was like this looks good you formatted it nicely there was one or two things he thought that i could add or change and the one thing he was like really adamant about was like don't put danny on your resume because people will think you're still like a kid use dan or daniel and that'll be much it'll be perceived more as like a man so right I was like 20 at that point in time, i'm like yeah i want to be a man. a man yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm yeah. a man we're gonna Delphi so it's right. been it's been dan or in a lot of cases it's been dan or daniel except for my my family and my friends still mostly call me danny in my uh Mom in particular, and now my wife, when they're mad at me, call me Daniel. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. So
1: We've heard that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if I'm walking down the street with you and someone throws a Danny at you, what's up, Danny? They go, you go way
0: back with them, right? Most likely, yeah, Okay. most likely. Okay.
1: So speaking of way back, when you were a kid, did you know when you were six that you wanted to work at Delphi? You wanted to be involved in engineering
0: and Yeah, manufacturing? so what I initially wanted to be when I was younger was a construction worker. yeah my dad was a construction worker and he had an excavating business on the side and I thought that was cool he used to take me out as a kid when I was like six or seven he had a backhoe that he would use on his job site and so I was like probably the only six or seven year old at that point in time that was digging holes in people's backyards with a big piece of equipment like that Uh, but I wanted to be a construction worker until like seventh or eighth grade that was really what I wanted to do which puzzled my parents they were both kind of like What do you mean you want? You could be anything. You could be an astronaut. You could do whatever you want. I'm like, no, I want to be a construction worker, and uh, a big part of that was, you know, I like building things. It's fun to. It's it's really fulfilling to be, you know, to put some time in, to uh, seeing things really come together like tangibly. Right. Right. Uh, There's a sense of fulfillment in that, but I also, you know, I think I, I saw from my dad taking pride in his work, and, and my mom taking pride in what she did is as a big motivator for what I would want to do. So that was okay. a part of it. It changed a little bit in like seventh or eighth grade. I was gonna say <laughs> what, what what
1: made so did you were it was just generally a construction worker. Were, were big projects like carpentry?
0: Yeah. Or are we talking mostly? Like, yeah. Soccer? So so my dad was a a, a laborer, okay. which but in his he he laid a lot of concrete. On the jobs that I would go on with him were primarily if he was doing. Uh, he had, it was called Firmack Excavating for a long time, so I'd go with him, and he was doing excavating work, so digging like basements and stuff like yeah. that with a backhoe, or, or he did a lot of concrete work. He did some roofing. He pretty much did whatever he had to do, building decks uh, and stuff like that. So um, a lot of like woodworking type of work, but not like cabinet making. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But my grandfather, uh, actually both my grandfathers, had garages with tools that were, you know, woodworking tools since we were real little. So. If we were in the summertime especially, me and my cousins would be at one of the grandparents' house and we always find our way into the garage and we would be in you know, uh, hand tools and fasteners and stuff like that and there'd be planks of wood nailed to every piece of the garage you could possibly find. So yeah. it wasn't always uh, what you know, we usually got yelled at for, it, but it was a lot of fun.
1: So there, th- there you go, there's direct exposure to building, to hands-on type of work. What happened, say, in that middle school environment? That just did someone can t- tuck you out of the trades and say, go to college instead? Or
0: uh, kind of. I actually wanted to. At that point in time, I really started wanting. To, I knew like I wanted to have my own business. That I wanted to start my own business. Okay. More so than, than get an engineering. I, I I knew I wanted to get an engineering. Like more in my junior year of college. I knew I wanted to still build things, but I was more focused on like wanting to have my own business. I wanted to start something. Right. Um, the the whole transition into engineering really occurred more because I, I, I still like building things and I enjoyed math, just to be that was that was the the thing. Okay. Hey, you can first person on the it.
1: podcast that's enjoyed math.
0: Oh yeah, okay, <laughs> 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 right on. Yeah. that was pretty much the gist of it. When I was in middle school, though, uh, I had a chance to actually do some entrepreneurial things, which just kind of reinforced my my favoritism towards that. Yeah. So, like, started off as like, I would fold, I, we lived in Cornersburg, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with, Cornersburg, oh, yeah. right down from Landerman's Mill. And uh, there was a Pizza Joe's that opened up. And, like, when they first opened up, they didn't have that many people there. Uh, obviously, Pizza Joe's was still a good name at that point in time. But but me and a friend, we would ride our bikes on there and we would, vol- like, we would offer to either s- clean floors or fold bo- pizza boxes in return for food. Absolutely, and and uh, that was that was one of the first things. I always was the kid that you know I had a paper route when I was when I was younger. Me and my sister had paper routes when we were younger. It was always when it snowed. It was always exciting because you'd get up and go out and try to make a couple bucks by shoveling driveways, right. and lemonade stands, and stuff like that. It was it was fun. Okay, so entrepreneurship in the blood. Yeah. So then taking the path,
1: got you know going through school, good at math, got in, went to college, engineering. How did you end up at at Delphi right so you had a your first job out of school was like a
0: big you know big company job so I had an internship there first and that's how it kind of spiraled into that I had an internship in their validation and testing area which is like a part of the design group Uh, and since it we were it was kinda right time right place you know that opportunity showed up applied as a, a sophomore going to be a junior excuse me a junior going to be a senior so the summer after my junior year and they had just started to rehire like so they were growing you know we caught it at the right time the wave was in our favor and and one thing led to another just try to do the best you can try to try to um make a good impression where you could and as opportunities came up applied and you know my my name was one that got pulled for the job so was there was there an adult in your life or some some person you looked up to or aspired to be that kind of got you on that path Yeah, I mean, my parents have always been very much uh, people I could always go back to and speak to and get direction from, and and, uh, I'm very fortunate for that and grateful for that. I think that uh, in that specific instance, again, Ray Blasco was a a big help. Um, I didn't even work with Ray or for Ray in that point in time. He was just one of the guys that was there for about 30 years and just looking out for younger guys around the area that – you know his way of giving back. Yeah, right? yeah, right. Seeing who had opportunity, who showed some kind of potential, and and trying to uh, offer guidance in that way. Um, so so Ray was a big help with it. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's at that point in time for, for, specifically for Delphi. So then
1: what what led to Juggerbot 3D? So here you know give us that background. A couple years were you frustrated by kind of big big company, or was this just the
0: burning <laughs> desire to get yeah you know, into your own business? So. It was more so the burning desire to start something cool, yeah um, so Juggerbot 3D manufactures industrial-grade 3D printers right here in Nixon, Ohio, and uh, Zach D. Vincenzo and I we met at college. We both have very similar backgrounds in regards to entrepreneurship and you know a, a desire to do something cool, make build a team that does cool stuff, right. right. Um, he comes from a family that, like my family, has a very blue-collar background, people that made stuff for a living. So I think that's really how we both ended up in the engineering space. And then 3D printing was was an, another opportunity that just came up, kind of right time, right place. So 2012, we're both sophomores, and America Makes is announced to be located in Youngstown, Ohio, hmm. right? So that was a, a, um, you know, a, a big incentive for us to, to look more into the technology and to better understand what that meant for the future of manufacturing, what opportunities that really you know would bring up for guys like Zach and I. We also had a, a professor at that point in time, Daryl Wallace, Dr. Dr. Wallace who was a huge advocate for manufacturing technologies and specifically additive manufacturing. So we, we got kind of firsthand a look at what the impact of 3D printing could be for the future of not just how we Design and make products, but even how that could transform how businesses, um, you know, operate in the future. Right. And uh, the the last semester of my um, of my college career, me and Zach and then another friend of us uh, of ours were like, hey, we all think this is something we want to do. We all want to try to figure out how we can, you know, start our own business. In addition to getting full time jobs, and in three D printing, it seems like it's really going to be the anchor for that. So at first it was a matter of how could we use 3D printing to make cool stuff. And yeah. We figured out pretty quickly that the the problem that needed to be solved was not necessarily um, what could 3D printing make, but what what kind of 3D printers would need to be offered to fill a gap in the market.
1: Right, because at that time, right, we're talking the teens, right, the tw- 2012 to 13, 14, 15. Yep. 3D printing was more like maker-oriented, right? Tinkering, yes. kind of uh, hobbyist almost? Yeah, absolutely. But but you guys are doing this at scale, right? And it's about prototyping to scale. So is that, how did Juggerbot get into the picture? Like how how, how it looks today, how did you get there? You're building like massive installations.
0: Yeah, um, six years of a lot of work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, the, the vision for it, I think, is really a, a mixture of our work experiences and in our our teachings at that point in time you know we we were fortunate to kind of get on the ground level of of, of the 3d printing um, efforts in Youngstown right again right time right place and just being open to the opportunity but Zach myself and then Jim who's our third partner we all were involved in 3d printing to some extent when YSU was just getting a part of it so when the first printers were Purchased and installed. We were the the first like nerds to be like, yeah, let's figure it out. Let's start tinkering with them. And so we had our fun and and learned how to learn more about the technology just kind of like on the job, right? Um, but we had you know guys like Daryl that were sharing with us what could happen and how things could happen, uh, what it meant for not only uh, prototyping purposes but how it could empower the everyday like tradesman. Mm-hmm. Right, what it meant for manufacturers in the future, and how businesses could be transformed based off of the capabilities that uh, that 3D printing offered at that point in time. So that was really for us the, the the big goal. I mean, we've we've failed a lot. So part of part of the progress we've been able to make has been just learning from what we haven't haven't accomplished the first time around. Did you guys set out to build
1: these big machines, or or was it? Like, how did you get inspired to do this? Was it somebody that's, you know, was it market studies? Was it experience? Was it just, yeah. you know, um, someone at
0: YBI or YSU said, we need X, go do it. Yeah, it was, so it started off really, we actually started building smaller machines first. And, again, a big part of it was addressing functionality of parts. So in our space, applications drive materials, and materials from there will drive what process you use. The, the initial scope for what okay, we Okay, well,
1: let me slow that down a second applications drive materials materials drive process so meaning the end use determines what materials meaning the actual the input right the yeah. filament yep right pellets there you go pellets, yeah okay so just trying to get this in the metals terms. plastics right yeah. so it's it's literally the when you say material it's a very specific term in 3d manufacturing correct Correct. Okay. Yeah. So, and there is a wide range of materials yes.
0: available to work with. Correct. The application will drive the specific uh, type of material being a thermoplastic, a thermoset, a metal, a ceramic. Um, even within that, is it a flexible thermoplastic? Is it a rigid thermoplastic? Whatever it may be. Uh, which will then in each, with each material, there are only so many different ways to produce a part with it, right? Whether it's available in pellet form or filament form or powder form or right. whatever have you, right? A liquid resin being a big one. Um, and then from there, you can kind of figure out what what is the best fit. So functionality was a lot of the time, initially was, you know, we wanna build machines that Again, going back to that empowered thing, empowered the everyday engineer, and a big part of that was being able to help them build more functional parts. So, being able to use higher performing material. But our first machine was small, it was just something that could fit on this table. Wow. Yep. And uh, we always had in our roadmap that we wanted to build bigger machines, and we, we conceived different ways that you could do that, like pellet extrusion, different technologies that could come into factor. We've got way more of those that have been put into the waste bin than have actually been stuck on a whiteboard, like we're gonna keep trying to do this. Uh, it, but just trying to stay on top of the, the changes and challenges in the market and, and learning from, from the, the different partners that we've been able to put into place is really how we continue to build up and, and really uh, continue to form the scope of the product that we offer.
1: Okay, and so when, you, you know, there's three of you to start, how long, uh, give us the little, the, the quick sketch of it from 3 to 5 to 10 to, you know, what what what's it, what'd it yeah. take to kind of build it?
0: So we actually went from 3 to 4 to 3. Okay. Yeah, so we went from 3 to 4, we added an intern that, um, he's still with us today, he's a really solid guy, Brian Zellers, he's our electrical engineer. Um, and then shortly after that's when Jim just is like, Hey, I'm seeing something different. I want to do something different. And it was, a, it was, a he, he decided to exit the company and from what I've read and researched the most platonic way you possibly can, like, it was really like a, a, a friendly, like pardoning, like, Hey, this, just isn't fitting your interest anymore. You, you have, all, he's doing great now. He's in Cleveland. He's got a good job. He's, he's from what I understand ha- he's working out a lot, so he's doing just fine. Um, but we, that, that, Renewed three, so me, Zach, and Brian, was probably about 12 months in, in the works before we started adding more people. Um, so it was, f- to note it, Brian was an intern, and then me and Zach were still doing it in our night and weekend gigs. So nobody full-time. Wow. Yeah, nobody full-time. This is probably like 2016, moving into 2017. And then in 2017, after we had launched our, we were in beta testing with our first small product, right? Um, We won an award with the state of Ohio. We submitted a proposal to use 3D scanning, 3D modeling, and 3D printing to produce prosthetic and orthotic devices. And we awarded that, which enabled us to move Zach in full-time, to finish the completion of the design for that initial product. We were able to get more hours for Brian, and uh, we actually took over. We, We won two more projects, one of which was a large format machine. Huh. Yeah, so it had a build volume of four feet by four feet by four feet for a foundry. That's just about thirty minutes south of here. That was really our first step into the larger format space.
1: Wow! So it sounds like so this was bootstrapping in the purest sense. Yeah. So this for is. the most part.
0: Yeah. For the most part,
1: <laughs> definitely. And so the, it was a process of just going through, looking for opportunities, discovering projects. Right. To, is it? Were you submitting for grants or building? Um,
0: uh, kind of, both, both ways. So, so again, this is the 2017 point. We won a state funded, uh, which it's an AMP award, I believe, believe would be considered a grant. It's a competitive grant. You know, you have, to, you have to qualify in a lot of different ways. But as a small manufacturer for us, we were able to uh, make that work with the right partners in place. So we were, we were partnered with a materials company out of Toledo. There's a, they call it a central fabricator and Boardman that makes prosthetic and orthotic devices that we partner with. And then Mercy Health was, mm-hmm. was a big partner in that. Um, the other two awards were both machine sales to local manufacturers. Companies that were like, I, I see the opportunity for it. The one guy saying, I, I just want to be able to print big parts. Yeah. That was, you know, um, just kind of them us uh, selling the dream, selling our, selling our team, our capabilities, and them buying into it. So when did you start full time then? I went full time in um, May of 2019. Yeah. So not too long ago. Not too long ago. Wow. Yeah. Okay.
1: And then the, um, do you see? So, I mean, the entrepreneurial experience. What, what was it like when you just like? What was that decision that you made or that feeling when you said, "I'm going full time."
0: Yeah. And all in. I kind of got it made for me a little bit, to okay. be honest with That's you. That's good. Yeah. Well, it. it, it it absolutely worked out for me. So at that point in time, they were downsizing at And we were actually looking to hire people at Juggerbot, but we needed engineer, like we needed people to do design work. And my job is primarily on the sales and marketing side. I'm on the more on the commercial side. So we had a lot of uh, irons in the fire, but they all required much more emphasis on product development than anything else. So we had two job openings, both for mechanical engineers. And uh, the one day I got the, basically, there was right before um, lunch. So I used to, let me backtrack a little bit. I'm okay saying this now because I don't work anymore. Yeah. I would, my daily schedule for three or three or four days of the week. I'd wake up at like 5.30 and I'd start working on Juggernaut stuff until about like 7.30. And then I'd go to Active and I'd be at Aptive until you know, 5.30 at night. But I'd be working until like noon and then I'd go to the Starbucks down the street, open up my computer, Answer emails and do it all right until like one, and then I'd go back. So I'm getting ready to go to Starbucks. It's like 12 o'clock, and my supervisor is like, "Hey Dan, you got a minute?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm. What's up?" He's like, "Can you meet me in the in the conference room?" Uh-oh. I was like, "Do I need my computer or anything?" He's like, mm, "No, nah, probably not." I'm like, "Okay, that's bad. That's that's not a good thing." So I walked in there. There's already a, a computer set up, but there's nobody there, and uh, he walks in. He's a great guy. His name's Greg. I'm like, hey, Greg, I think somebody's already in here. He's like, oh yeah, I know, I'll be right back. And he walked out, I'm like, all right, that's one of two things is happening. I'm either, you know, I, at this, there was another job that was open that they were, um, that I had some interest in that they had talked to me about. I'm like, they're either going to talk to me about this job, like the application, well, I'm getting let go. Like yeah. One of the two things that's happening. sure enough, walks in and they were, they were real nice about it. It wasn't like a personal thing. They're just like, we're downsizing. It's happening across the board. They had been, for days before that, people getting let go. And uh, they're like, so, you know, your name's one on the list. I'm like, okay, well, hey, thanks for the opportunity. It's been real. It's, it, was there, it was there for five years almost. Wow. So yeah, four or five years. And uh, it was a great experience. But at that point in time, like because of things were going on here at Juggerbolt, we were in the position we were in, um, I felt like that was kind of fate's way of being like, dude, it's time, time to go. Yeah. Jump, you know, it's right. time to go. So, and I'm just fortunate that we had the resources at that point in time to support. So it.
1: you really had two Plan A's going, not Plan A, Plan B. So Bot wasn't Plan B. It was kind of it
0: was it's always some, going. It's
1: some way, yeah. some way, shape, or form. It was going to be a Plan A. It's just that the timing may or may not have been what you wanted. But
0: it quickly became. Yeah, in (laughs) hindsight, it was the it in it was the best thing that could have happened to me at that point in time. It's good. Yeah,
1: yeah. 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 I've heard that in situations where that's a tough situation, it's uncomfortable. But in hindsight, it's often the best thing. Right. Yeah. Now, from what did you learn from that experience? So you know, in you know, you guys have grown quite a bit over the past, you know many years but just more recently really punched on the accelerator yeah is there a leadership style or philosophy you use at juggerbot that is in spite of what you learned at a big company or because of what you learned at a big
0: company there's definitely i think there's both i think there's both you learn i think with bigger companies there is you have a lot of people who want to be leaders that are more managers Yeah. so like they're not I think, uh, and then they have all the people who don't have the title that are great leaders, if that makes sense. It does. So a lot of it by action, at least in in my opinion, from what affects me, like people that I gravitate towards more for leaders are people who lead by action versus, you know, whatever the title is. And so with a small company, you don't have the uh, the security to be able to kind of hide off in the corner or to, to stand behind your title. You have to, you have to produce, you have mm-hmm. to show up and, um, I think that's something where, you know, there's there were certain folks at Delphi that maybe didn't have a title that were really great leaders m- just by doing the best they could for the teams around them and by really caring for the teams that they're working for that I think you can pull into a smaller business for that. And and th- those are things, like any specific specific examples? I think the, uh, the no job is too small mentality ah. is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's... Um, so- at the end of the day i think we it's important to focus on meeting the objective and caring less about how it gets there right which is which is hard sometimes when you're when you are only one part of a longer chain that has to get a, a bigger team that has to get uh, accomplish a specific goal but when there's a smaller group and you have a little bit more understanding and appreciation for what everybody has to do to get the job done you do the best you can together right right
1: is there um what what tactic what was the way in which that was conveyed no job is too small was was it literally just people saying look this is a chain and if this link is not connected this isn't going to happen
0: yeah yeah i think that's a big part of it we had um there was a couple projects one big project that i worked on was um, a we were it was a cost improvement um, project that we we were Pitching for a couple million dollars to put a new extrusion line in a facility in Warren, Ohio, that had really not gotten that much love in what seemed to be a long time. So it was kind of a it was a it was kind of a big deal. We were, we were all excited about it. It was going to be a great thing for the company. It was going to be a great thing for the plant in Warren. Uh, it would have been a big win all around. And there's a couple guys who were senior engineers on the material side, the, in the materials team that you know they had a stake in what was going on, but they definitely showed going above and beyond to make sure that the whole interdepartmental team that was, you know, really the, the the ground floor of that project that they were getting what they needed in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. Everything from making sure that, you know, costing and formulas were being presented in a timely fashion to at some point in time picking up the phone and making calls that weren't really under their their jurisdiction, it wasn't really a part of the responsibilities, but just, hey, it needs to be done. Let's get it done so that we can go forward. And that was a really successful project for us.
1: So then, speaking of picking up the phone i, I can't help but jump back a little bit, uh, so that day of the day of reckoning when they said, "Hey, Dan, yeah, you know we got a park company here. did you um, who was the first person you called when you walked out of the parking lot
0: Zach okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you say it's on?" I was like, "Dude, <laughs> you know, I know we're looking for mechanical engineers, but you know, I have a couple different options here. I don't want to go back to, I don't want to look for another job, and I don't want to take the other job that they're going to offer me. I want to go full time. Yeah, it's like I think we can make this work, but obviously this is this is a team effort. Right. And he was like, I think the first response was, "Damn," and then after that, he's like, "All right, well, hey, you know, let's fig let's 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 figure it out. Are you coming to the office right now?" It was like there's like probably two in the afternoon. Mm. I'm like, I'm gonna go home and tell Gab first, Gabby, my <laughs> wife. I'm like, I'm gonna go talk to her, <laughs> <That's good>. but. <laughs> this is not a test. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So
1: we won't let her listen to this yeah, part, but yeah. I, the, I mean, she knows, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: but I was like, this is, um, you know, I was like, I'm gonna go talk to her first. I'm gonna get things settled out. And then uh, I can come in tonight or, you know, at the very least I'll be there first thing in the morning. So we'll have a chance to talk about it then. And sure enough, I think that night I went home and just kind of like told Gab and just kind of settled in and let, like decompressed. Yeah, yeah. had a chance to like not make any emotional decisions and not do anything. I wasn't like, truthfully, I wasn't like sad. I was more excited. I was kind of yeah, stoked, right. yeah, yeah. to be honest with you. Right. Um, but took a second just to come back down to reality. Next morning went in and sure enough, it was probably like seven o'clock in the morning. Me and Zach were sitting out on the table and just working through the logistics of it.
1: That's fantastic. So we want to shift gears and talk about leadership mistakes that you've made along the way. But before that, we're gonna take a minute to thank our sponsors.
0: Sounds good. The Brain Gain is a collaborative effort and we'd like to thank the headlining members of the coalition, including Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, the Maransky Companies, and the Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition. Also included are Farmers Bank Group, Youngstown State University, Eastern Gateway Community College, the DeBartolo Corporation, Cortland Bank, MS Consultants, and 898 Marketing.
1: All right, Dan. What mistakes have you made in building Juggerbot?
0: <laughs> so <laughs> one, one is there's one that's that um, there's a couple that are probably worth noting. One of which I don't know if it's necessarily a leadership mistake, but it's definitely a mistake in working with people. It's instructive. Yeah. It's instructive. Yeah. Uh, so we are, as we've discussed in the past for other reasons, Jeff. We're building out a distribution network, right? So, and almost every case, we're talking to people who are, they're, they're smaller, like family owned businesses, where the people that we're talking to have been in business for like 30 or 40 years. They, are, they know so much more than we do about about the space that we're going into. We are just the technology experts. Right. And we know way more about that, but that's our, that's our lane, right? right? So one mistake that we made when we first started interviewing distributors which is, just, I, I, thinking back, mistakes we've made with other people as well, or at least I've made with other people, is trying to tell them what they should do or what we need them to do without really knowing. Uh, okay. You know, like kind of like now the conversation is is a little bit more transparent, a little bit more front to say we've never set up a distribution agreement before or a distribution network. We kind of have an idea of what we want and why we want it, uh, and we've done our research and spent our time to vet out what we think is the right fit. And, and I have never had, of the dozen conversations I've had with different distributors, nobody has ever has ever seen that as a disrespectful or, well, I think more importantly, an immature remark. Like on the contrary, I think yeah, coming yeah. in to say this is what we want you to do, they're like, you you, this is it's immature. Yeah, day. exactly, yeah. exactly.
1: Yeah, so so you're being transparent or authentic and just saying we have an intent and an interest, and right. We've done our homework, but let's. Collaborate to get this done. Exactly, and it takes you know you have to be bold and brash to be an entrepreneur, but I think that only gets you so far, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, you can only put your head down and run through so many walls before right. you run into cement. Yep. So
1: then, is, is the collaborative spirit more what you're going for these days?
0: Absolutely. Well, in that case, yeah, especially in that case. Uh, obviously, we're still not going to make a decision that's not the right fit for us. Yeah. But I think a part of that is is finding the win-win for both parties. Uh, speaking of collaboration.
1: You know, great involvement with YSU, I've already heard a professor was instrumental in your early development, uh, conceptualizing uh, YBI, so Youngstown Business Incubator, what role has YBI played in TriggerBots?
0: We would not be where we're at today without the Youngstown Business Incubator. Um, So they, you know, we started off as, in 2014, a couple of college kids with an idea. Mm-hmm. And so from our initial pitch on, they've been really helpful in just, just preparing us to continue to grow into where they could help us mitigate mistakes. Um, you know, we, you, th- you think you have a good idea. You think you're smart when you graduate. I think everybody that's probably in their early 20s has kind of a chip on their shoulder. It's a pretty a normal thing. Um, and they really forced us to identify the actual problem that, was, that needed to be solved. Which really helped us. We talked a little about the the trajectory of our development efforts. That was really what set the tone for us. Was, you know, we were kind of right in our initial hypothesis, but it was confirmed and, and refined after months and months and months of surveying the landscape, just trying honestly, just picking up the phone and calling different manufacturers right. and getting a feel for what's out there. And then, you know, they have put us in touch, and because of what they're doing, because of their efforts in uh, specifically advanced manufacturing, the um, the weight that comes with our name being from here has has definitely uh, is definitely taken seriously so if you're at a conference and you say juggerbot from Youngstown it's not who
1: but it's oh yeah right? yeah
0: they may not always know but now they're starting juggerbot is uh, proud to say uh, becoming a more well-known name in this space but uh, if they don't know who we are they definitely know who Youngstown is so how do we
1: get more of that, right? What does this region need from a leadership standpoint? How do we get more entrepreneurs like you and Zach, building companies, are there any barriers in your way to doing this?
0: I, I think there's always gonna be barriers to doing stuff that matters, right? Nothing yeah. that's gonna, the thing is, <laughs> there's a saying in there somewhere that, you know, uh, the things that are worth having are worth fighting for. Right. But uh, one thing that, I've, that I think Zach would definitely agree is, we've always managed to find opportunity. Right, so I think being able to, from a leadership perspective, it, you definitely need like that one-on-one leadership that, that is like mentoring, mm-hmm. right, um, that, that helps develop specific people or specific traits in people. And then kind of like a more macro scale, there's just a, a matter of being able to uh, create opportunities for the people that are here, the people that want to seek them out. I, I, the fact of, of overcoming challenges is just something that you, you accept Right. Being an entrepreneur, right? You just take that on. Uh, and, and not even even people in their regular jobs, right? In your normal life, yeah. you just come across that. You can't really uh, shy away from adversity in some cases, but um, yeah, definitely just being able to promote more opportunity for stuff like this.
1: So do we have, is, are you bullish on the future of additive and specifically even here more so in the Youngstown market?
0: Yeah, I am, I am very optimistic about where additive is gonna go. On a global scale, and I'm, I'm extremely optimistic and, and notably biased about how strong, uh, how big a, pl- a role Northeast Ohio is going to play in the, the um, widespread adoption. Right.
1: I'm sure a lot of people are curious. A lot of what we hear are they press releases or is it legit? And, and you're sitting here, and I've been to yeah. on the floor and I've seen the tradesmen of all shapes and sizes. Yep. They are fully functioning operational machines. Uh, it is not a press release, yeah. they're
0: very real. We make, we, we do tangible stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. So where do you see the future of Juggerbot? Are you gonna grow out of the space you're in right now over in the old Vindicator building?
0: Yeah, I mean, we are we, we, we had a really strong end of this year. So we managed to lock in a couple more machine sales. We have a couple um, projects that we were awarded that'll help with our uh, 2021 and beyond development efforts. And uh, while this year has been full of challenges for everybody, we've still managed to grow to the point where we could be growing outside of that area, like in the next three months. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're hoping that in the in Q1 um, we're going to be able to onboard a couple more heads, and bring on a couple more people full time. Uh, we have, as I mentioned, with the distributors, the commercial side of our business is is heading in the direction we want it to head. Uh, so a lot of the uh, seeds we've planted in the past six years are are budding, and it's just time to execute. The goal for Juggernaut ultimately is the premier um, the premier manufacturer of industrial grade 3D printers across the globe. So that the global the global space we want the world. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Do you
1: you know ha- being a passionate you know hands-on person engineer big company to Juggerbot. Is there um have you just you just kinda kinda learn every single day? Are there books that you have read, leadership books, or have you found yourself like, holy cow, I'm the co founder of a company that's really growing. How do I handle that? It, yeah. you, do you pinch yourself sometimes? Oh uh, yeah,
0: all the time. Yeah. Uh so I I like to read and I've I've Wish I I spent more time reading. I don't allocate as much time on a regular basis to reading as I probably should. But you know, from a leadership perspective, uh, I'm sure you've heard of Jocko Willink. Oh yeah, he's got a couple books that have come out in the past like three or four years, and I really enjoy those. Um, I've got a book on culture that I just I think got I have a Jocko book right behind you? me. Yeah, which one? Um, Extreme Ownership. Or? Extreme
1: Ownership was good. Yeah. Extreme yeah. Ownership is yeah. real good. Yeah. yeah. I actually I work out the Jocko. Do you? Like, if, if this morning it was five and I got up, I was like, oh, man. I just didn't feel like it. So I put him and David Goggins on. There you go. And I got my ass up. Yep. <laughs> oh, Goggins, on. the Can't Hurt Me <laughs> yeah, book. Yeah, you read yeah. that one? Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's another good one there. But yeah, yeah those, I mean, that's sometimes on like, a, especially if it's on a weekend, I'm like, I'm going to wake up early and my alarm goes have at whatever time and I turn it off and I go to sleep and you wake up. And do you have an Instagram? Yeah. Do you follow Jocko?
1: Uh, on occasion, I'm not on Instagram much.
0: He's always posting pictures of his watch. Four a.m. Yeah, all the time. And nothing makes you—yeah—nothing makes you feel more guilty than, than when you turn your alarm off and wake up, and that dude on a Saturday is about four thirty doing whatever he's doing. Oh yeah. yeah, we we could do our best. Uh, Jocko and um,
1: what's his guy's name on the podcast? Echo Charles. Echo Charles. Yeah. Um, you know, Jocko leans in and he. <sighs> It was a cold, dark day. <laughs> yeah, sitting here with Dan at JuggerBot, but we persevered. Um, so.
0: We just need a little bit more diameter on yeah. our. I biceps yeah, to, and, to yeah.
1: beef up a little bit. And yeah, do a little more. All right. All right. Well, that was a fun departure. But uh, so leadership books. You were just you were
0: rounding out. So you had
1: Extreme Ownership, which agree, great book.
0: There is a book called Zero to One that is not really a leadership. Peter, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's not really a leadership book as much as it's like a startup book. Ideation, there's, yeah, yeah. There's there's hints of that in there, and then uh, again, there's a culture, a book about culture, two books about culture. I just got from a friend of mine. His name is Joe Strawinski, um, that I'm really interested in reading. I honestly don't remember who the authors of those two books are, but uh, that I think culture and good leadership kind of go hand in hand. So
1: there's just a culture that's been developed simply by who you guys are but do you explicitly work on that culture? Are you mindful of the culture we're building? Or, or as a small company, like many small companies, it's just a function of who the people are without intention.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it's a mixture of both. It's something that Zach and I talk about a lot. Building the company culture in a way that we want the company culture to be, like that we believe is healthy. That's awesome. It's something that we have um, emphasized ourselves. And we, al- we also have a couple of advisors that have instilled that in us right yeah. um, we've also been fortunate because the the team that we have is it's a solid group of people oh yeah, and, and not just like our direct like the the full time employees but the big partners and the people from the incubator that that work with us, our contractors that we work with we our vendors and customers alike we just are very fortunate to be surrounded by awesome people
1: that's true your culture. Goes well beyond the four walls yeah of jerk about right I mean it literally like you said, all the people you work with all the partners and the vendors and the customers definitely so that that's good so many small businesses don't take the time to talk explicitly about culture, so the fact that you're doing it right now is fantastic yeah that's well. good well, do you have a challenge out to our audience because um, I know you're busy and, and uh, we have a webinar coming up right so you and I are going to Going to do a webinar. It's yep. a, it's, what's the webinar called, Dan?
0: The uh, 3D Printing Materials Roundup. 3D Printing Materials Roundup. So it's going to be super cool. Yeah, it's going to be very insightful.
1: So, that being said, what challenge would you offer to our audience out there? You know, entrepreneurs, right? So, there's probably someone at YSU right now who has a burning desire to start a business. If they're smart, they'll do it in additive, right? Because there's a lot of potential here. Yeah. Uh, so what would you what would you challenge them to do? How to get started?
0: The I think the biggest first step for most people that everybody can do and most people don't is um, to take that first step. And I think that 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 has to do with what we would call like a more formal like a pitch, but doesn't necessarily have to be. It's just to talk about an idea with somebody. Doesn't matter who it is. It can be before we before any of us pitch the stuff to the incubator or to talk about it with the folks from YSU we were talking amongst ourselves as friends, mm-hmm. like just a couple of yeah. dudes in engineering, uh, going to school for engineering that, you know, saw a, a, a overlap in what they could do. And then we talked about with our families and that talking about it, it's not, I don't I don't know if it's necessarily like willing it in or speaking it into existence, yeah. but it, it definitely starts to put you on track for making something real. Right. So And it's hard about it and I think people, you, you you tend to overcome a lot of the reservations you have about um, about moving forward with a plan or a concept after you started talking about it with people. And I, I think part of that is you don't want to you don't want to come off too bullish. You don't want to come off stupid. Right. Uh, and nine times out of ten, nobody with the people that are going to think that it's it's either you're overly ambitious or it's stupid for, or naive for you to say it or are people that are probably too scared to do it for themselves. Right. So talking about it, well, you know help you refine a little bit, help you build your own confidence up and then just be more comfortable with where right. you're going.
1: There's a dream phase yeah. and, then, and yeah. then
0: there's a design phase, right. Right. Right?
1: and then there's a do phase. And a lot of people dream, some design, very few do. Right. Right, so you guys are doing it. That's the goal. <laughs> every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every right? day, every right? day, right. every day. Well, Dan, this has been great. Appreciate your time here on the Brain Gain Podcast. You're a great, you and Zach are a great shining example of more of what we need here in this market. Those are entrepreneurs with a passion and desire to dominate globally, right? Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Global, domination. global domination is for. Global All right. domination. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Before we go, I'd like to thank members of the Brain Game Coalition, especially our great sponsors. Without them, none of this would be possible. So a big thank you goes to Sweeney, Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, the Moransky Companies, and the Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition. Thanks so much for their support. And also, please follow, like, and subscribe to this series on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions, just go ahead and connect with me on LinkedIn, one of my favorite places. You can find me over there at Jeff Leo Herman, and send me a message. I will see you next time. I'm going up in this life and to the human that I need to be. I know that I am not alone. I'm brave. I got what it takes. I am well.